Hi, I'm Mona Lewis, the sports director of WSU, and I want to personally welcome you to X's and Opinions. Sit back and listen as some of WSU's sportscasters break down some of the major headlines over the past week of professional sports. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at WSU Sports for more content. And rate this podcast and subscribe if you enjoy. Now, let's get started, shall we? Hey guys, welcome back to another edition of X's and O's. I'm Joe Camarota here with Cam Crosby and Dylan Camp. Uh, how are you guys doing today? Doing swell, thank you. Ready to talk some sports. So let's get into our first topic today. Uh, we'll start in the NFL with uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. You guys can see I'm a Steelers fan here. If you're watching, if you're on Spotify or other streaming services, I'm wearing a Steelers hat. And uh, let's just talk about are, are the Steelers in trouble? They started off 11 and 0. Lost the last three games in very disappointing fashion. Uh, Cam, I'll kick it to you to start off. What, what's your opinion on them? And do you think they have a chance to at least win one playoff game? Uh, maybe. Um, I think it's really about this. I mean, historically speaking, most of Tomlin's teams have been the kind of teams that will play to the level of their competition. Uh, I don't know how it's going to work for this particular team because I think comparatively to years past, I think it's fair to say that maybe on offense, their weapons are not going to be as touted as they were. Um, Their defense, I mean, their defense is all right, but I think it all lies in the hands of Ben Roethlisberger. So if they can turn out a good offensive performance on any given night, I'll put them up with just about to to go ahead and compete with just about any team. But I think until they get that figured out and until they get back on the right track, I think it's hard to see them winning a playoff game against what's looking like an extremely dangerous AFC I think the eventual title favorite is going to come out of the AFC, even though everyone's looking at like the Kansas City Chiefs. I think there's a great chance that maybe there's like another team along the ranks, say Tennessee or 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 Cleveland that can come up and maybe make a little bit of a run for it. So, yeah, I think they're going to have their hands full with whatever their first round matchup is going to be. I think it all lies in the hands of Ben Roethlisberger. And if the offense can get it together, I see no reason why they can't go deep in the playoffs. I mean, if it's all in the hands of Ben Roethlisberger, that's not a great place to be. You know, he's coming one season off that arm injury um, and he hasn't looked great throwing the ball. Their rushing game is pretty much non-existent right now. Um, you know, um, what's his name? James Connor is coming back soon. So hopefully that will help their rush game a little bit, but you mentioned their defense sounds pretty good, but they're missing a couple of key players in Bud Dupree and Devin Bush. They let up 27 points to a Ryan Finley, Finley led Cincinnati Bengals team in his first ever NFL win. You know, I'm not convinced by what I've seen. You know, they are on a three-game losing streak, but even that game against the Ravens where RG3 and Trace McSorley were playing didn't really look good in that one either. Um, And the defense still does look okay, but Pittsburgh's turning the ball over a lot, putting their defense in a lot of tough scenarios. So I think if you're going to do that against a playoff-caliber team, especially like you mentioned, the deep AFC, probably the Colts, Browns, Ravens, or Dolphins in that first week, weekend, it's going to be a tough matchup for the Steelers. Do they, can they win a game? Yes. But am I very confident in that? No, I'm not. Yeah. I'm going to have to agree with you guys. And I think the biggest aspect of it is the fact that their offensive play calling is poor. I mean, I think Ben will write the ship at some point, at least I hope he does. I mean, the problem is he's not throwing deep. I mean, but they're not, their offensive coordinator doesn't know how to scheme put players open. He's running Juju Smith-Schuster on drag routes when, his calling card his first two years in the season when they, when they had a healthy Ben Roethlisberger was run deep routes. <clears throat> Instead, he just keeps everything behind the line of scrimmage. The, the um, offensive line is shambolic. And if Ben doesn't figure it out and cut down the turnovers, this team is in, in deep trouble. I also think that the fact that they didn't really have a bye week this year has really hurt them a lot because 
they, the team just seems mentally exhausted. They don't seem like they want to be there. They just seem like they, with the way that game against the Ravens happened, I think that threw them all out of whack. Like, I don't know if you guys played sports in high school, but like, you know, when you're getting ready for a game, that's all you could think about all day. You prepare about it. The, you, try, you start to get ready at least, at least the night before. And that gets moved three times. That's just exhausting. You have to get yourself up and ready for that all the time. I think the defense will be fine. I mean, if you look at that Bengals game, a lot of the points that came on that was off turnovers and short field positions. When the Bengals had the ball deep in their own half, they did diddly squat basically all game other than that one big drive in the third quarter. So defense should be fine. I mean, the one good thing that could happen to them is that the offense did look look like it got some life the second half of the Bengals game, and they're going to start to get healthy. They're going to get Robert Spillane back, who's their backup middle linebacker. Vince Williams is coming back from the COVID list for this Sunday's game against the Colts. And I think they have a chance to win a playoff game. Do I think the Super Bowl contenders? No, because I don't think this offense is good enough to win a Super Bowl. But I think their defense is good enough to win a playoff game. And I think if this offense could score 20 points, they could, they could definitely win a game. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm, Dylan mentioned earlier how James Conner can positively affect, uh, affect the offense once he comes back. I think another thing that, that they can do that's right available, I think Benny Snell, I think Benny Snell's got to get the ball more. At 18 for 84 and a touchdown in their, in their last game, he's had a game earlier in the season where he totaled over 100 yards rushing. I think they might benefit from giving some fresh blood a little bit of the ball. He was he was an exciting player at Kentucky. He was a Heisman favorite, and I think in his junior senior junior senior season, I think I think it's worth it to try and um, try some new things on offense. And I think that involves uh, making Benny Snell one of your primary playmakers. Whether or not it works, I don't know. But given the fact that they've lost say three in a row and they're creeping up on what I think three in a row. Um, I think it might help for maybe changing things a little bit. Who knows if their OC takes that up, but I think they can benefit from that. I think using those two guys as kind of a dual threat will help a lot, you know, so you're not wearing out Connor who's been injury prone this season. He's missed a couple games, um, but they haven't had a game with over a hundred rushing yards in this losing streak. So I think this weekend, if Connor is able to play and he's able to play a lot of snaps, hopefully, finally, for the Steelers, they'll get over 100 rushing yards in the game, which will take a little bit of that pressure off of Big Ben because he's had to throw the ball a lot recently. Yeah, I actually agree with Cam. I think I think Benny Snell should be the Steelers' lead back. I think he's the better back than Connor right now. I think the way he, he – just it just seems like he always falls forward, and that's not something Con- – there's a Connor gets stopped in the backfield a lot. Even with this terrible offensive line, it seems like Benny Snell is almost always getting at least back to the line of scrimmage. So I, I'd probably lean to him as a lead back. And I think uh, Mike Tomlin in his presser this week said that he was he's he's open to it. So we'll see what happens. I uh, no, I think I think he said he's going to use him more. I think regardless of whether or not Connor comes back and healthy, because I think they activated him that he wants to go to Snell a little bit more, and I think that would help. I think that would help a lot. I agree, hundred percent. So let's move on. Still on the football talk. Let's talk about the AFC and NFC playoff picture and uh, who we think is going to come out of the pack. So let's start in the AFC because we're already there. Cam, who do you think is coming out of the pack? And do you think there's going to be any surprises who's going to make the playoffs? I mean, you know, it's always fun to think about, you know, maybe Josh Allen and the Bills making a run for it. I think the limited capacity fans will make a lot more of an impact than most people would think. It's different going into Arrowhead Stadium or Arrowhead Field and going in and you know, facing the big tomahawk shop that they do out there and, and you know, and going in and winning in such a hostile environment. I think it's going to help them. I think it's going to help any team going, going, um, going into that stadium um, in terms of their chances uh, against that historic team. 
But I think it's going to come down to Buffalo versus Kansas City. I think Kansas City is going to win it. I just don't see how any team is stopping their offense. Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey. I think it's crazy that both those guys are top five in receiving yards on, on the season. The homes having another great year. The defense really locking up. I think they're like one of the best pass defenses in the league. I think they rank second. Some They're like somewhere up there. I believe they're second. Um, but that, that, that's really an incredible team. I just don't see how anybody's stopping them in the AFC. I think if there is yeah. go on, I think go on, go on. there is one team to stop it, it's going to be Tennessee. You know, I, I considered saying Buffalo's probably has the best shot, but in the three games this year that Tennessee has, or sorry, Kansas City has lost and almost lost to the Chargers in week two, and then later in the season to Carolina, they lost the time of possession battle and they actually had less yards than their opponent in all three of those games. Um, so I think a team like Tennessee that can really control the ball with Derrick Henry slow it down. He's a powerful runner that can go for 25, 30 carries a game. If he can tire the defense down, help his team control the ball, manage that clock. I think that's going to be the best way to beat Kansas city. Don't get into a shootout. I think Josh Allen would probably be better equipped for that than Tennessee would, but I think the best way to beat the chiefs is to slow them down rather than try to outscore them. That's actually a tremendous point. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. Um, I think defensively, you have a point. The best way to beat them is to make sure that they're not on the field because they're going to get theirs regardless of, the, of whatever defense that they're playing. Nobody's really touching them there. I think if you play a little bit of grit and grind football with them, I think they might see some some very good things happen. I think Tannehill, I'm not the biggest fan of, of him as a quarterback personally, but I think Mike Brabel's using really, really well this year. I think he's decent in the playoffs. They went all the way to the AFC Championship Um I think I, yeah, I, I definitely agree. I think I think they're I think I'm I'm changing my stance. I think now they're the most equipped team to go ahead and take down Kansas City. But I, I you know I, I still think it's going to be tough for any team to rise above and uh, accomplish that. So I think it's a lot more open ended in the NFC, even though it's a lot weaker top to bottom. I think you might see a little bit of variability between who who's going to be at the who's going to be at the top there. Absolutely, and I think for the AFC. I think the Chiefs come out of it, although I'm a little concerned of them going 15-1 and one, considering I'm a big fan of history and stats. And when teams go 15-1, and one, it normally doesn't end well for them. I'll say that. A lot of times they'll either bow out early in the playoffs or losing the Super Bowl. So I, uh, that kind of concerns me. But, I mean, they have the best quarterback of all time in Patrick Mahomes. However, going off, I think there's three teams that could beat them. It's either going to be the Bills, the um, Titans, like you said, or the Steelers if somehow their offense – becomes competent again. I think the Bills might be the most equipped because I don't think – I think their defense is better than the Titans. And I think, yes, the Titans can control the time of possession. But we saw last year with the way that – with the way the Chiefs play, they just need like one minute and they can score a touchdown and get right back in the game. So that's why I don't necessarily think time of possession is huge against the Chiefs just because how quickly they can score. Like, I find, correct me if I'm wrong, but weren't the Titans up by like two scores at some point in that AFC Championship game? And then the – Chiefs just came all the way back and kind of made it a, a blowout. So I, I, that's my only concern with them because, yes, they can they can keep time in possession and score the football. We know they can. Derrick Henry can absolutely dominate the Chiefs' defense, which is not a good defense. But can it, I don't think the Titans' defense can, is going to be able to stop Patrick Mahomes. And I'm not really sold on the Bills' defense stopping them at all either. But I think that I trust – I trust that Josh Allen and the Bills can put up points against the Chiefs, and I trust that the that the Bills can maybe get a stop or two. And then obviously my third team, the dark horse of the Steelers, which I think they have the best defense in the playoffs, AFC side. 
do I think they'll get there? No, because I just don't think that offense is going to turn up. But say by the grace of God it does, and it just turns out somehow it becomes competent again, I think they can give them a shot. But, again, I, I don't think they're going to be able to keep up with Mahomes, and I don't know anyone who can. I think there was a point in this season where the Steelers looked like they could compete with the Chiefs, but right now we are not at that point. Yes. Earlier in the year, I would agree with you that, yeah, they probably would have had the best shot. But the way they're playing right now, it's – Again, we talked about how they're barely going to make it out of the first round if they do. Um, but if they get back to that early season form, it'll definitely be an interesting matchup if those two teams do play each other. Actually, as a matter of fact, I'd probably replace the Steelers in that in that list you made, Joe. I'd probably replace them with the Baltimore Ravens if they were to make it. I know they lost this year, but I, you know, I think they're similar to Tennessee in a way where you know having that ground game being really really nice is really going to help them. I think they have a pretty competent defense, although it's been a little shaky over the course of the past few weeks. I think if they can get Lamar Jackson back to MVP level, I think that's also a team that could definitely take down Kansas City. Obviously, everything that we're saying here just being cute, you know, because at the yeah. end of the day, I'd put the house on them to win. But I'm saying that if there's any team that we're, that we're, that we're going to pick to knock them off, I think Baltimore makes a lot more sense than Pittsburgh does. I just, you know, going back to, going back to the Pittsburgh offense, I just don't think they have the weapons to keep up with with to keep up with Patrick Mahomes I don't think they have the firepower to keep up with Josh Allen I just don't see it happening for them I think they can maybe win one game but I think Baltimore is you know one of those teams that'd be better equipped to go take down a team like Kansas City not saying that it happens of course but I think I would take the Browns over the Ravens I don't think I don't think Lamar Jackson is equipped to go if they're down I think they're out if they go down two scores in the playoffs I think they're out of the playoffs I don't think Lamar Jackson is good enough to take you back I think I, this is, I have a weird thing with Lamar Jackson. So I think he's a great, great quarterback, top five in the league, no doubt in my mind. I don't think he's a great come-from-behind quarterback, though. I think if he goes down two score, two possessions, like 14 points, I think he's out of the game. I think, And it's not necessarily even on him. It's probably the Ravens' offense just is built to play with a lead, not to play from behind. And I think that would be their that, – that's why I don't think they're going to win a playoff game. Well, maybe they'll win a playoff game, but I don't, I don't think they're going to be able to compete with the Chiefs. But I could, I could see the Browns doing it. My thing is it's the Browns, which is why I didn't put them on there. But I think the Browns are a really logical choice here because they have a great run game. Their defense looks starting to kind of come around a little bit. And Baker's playing well right now. But, again, at the end of the day, it's the Browns. I think they'll just choke somehow. Of the wild card teams, I think the Browns probably have the best shot to make a run. But then, you know, they're on the, they have a bunch of COVID this week, COVID cases. Their wide receivers are all missing the game against the Jets. So, We'll see how that impacts them moving forward. Absolutely. They still have a chance to win the division, too, so who knows. But let's move on to the NFC side. Who do you guys think is going to come out of the NFC and any surprise teams might make the playoffs? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and go with Seattle. I mean, I know they look pretty, pretty shaky and rough at times. I just, you know, I think it's a pretty weird atmosphere out of the NFC because when you look at it top to bottom, to me, there's three teams that really stand out, right? You have Green Bay, you have Seattle, and then you have New Orleans. And I think historically speaking, I don't, I don't really think Drew, Drew Brees is going to have it this year. I don't know if it's there for them. They had a really, really, really good game on, on Friday against Minnesota. But, I, you know, I think Russ is, and, and Russ has been a little shoddy lately. But you know what, man? I think Russ returns to MVP form. He's one of those guys who you kind of just trust to make a really deep run in the playoffs. I think Seattle's defense is good enough to take him there. I think their offense can be good enough to take him there. And it's a lot more up in the air in the NFC. As I said, I don't think their teams are as strong as the AFC, but I think there's a lot more variability there. I take Seattle, but I wouldn't be surprised if any of them really took it up, whether that's Green Bay, whether that's New Orleans, whether that's even Tampa Bay. 
Um, so, yeah, but I'd say Seattle will be my pick right now. And that's putting, you know, statistics aside, pre season hype aside, I'm going to take Russell Wilson over any quarterback in the NFC. And that's what I think it comes down to. You can take Rodgers, and I understand that. I'm more of a Wilson guy. I think Wilson is better equipped to, to win. I think if you're going to go quarterback and defense, I think Green Bay has got the edge. I really trust Aaron Rodgers. You know, he's definitely the 1A to Russell Wilson, 1B. Um, I'm placing a lot of importance in this week. You know, the Saints looked incredible against the Vikings. They rushed the ball like crazy. Drew Brees is going to continue to get healthier. Mike Thomas is likely going to be back for the playoffs. And even against Kansas City a week ago, with Drew Brees pretty banged up, they put up a good fight. So the Saints have looked really good recently. You know, the Packers have a really big game this weekend. They're playing the Titans. And to me, that's can they stop a dominant rusher like Derrick Henry? Because obviously Kamara and Henry have different rushing styles, but both teams rely heavily on the rush. So I'm going to kind of look to this Sunday night game, Packers-Titans, to see how effective the Packers can be at stopping the run game, which is going to be important, I think, against the Saints down the line. You know, the Seahawks are pretty good, but like you said, they've been looking really bad recently. They lost to the Giants in an atrocious game where Colt McCoy was the starter. Um, this weekend, they've got the Rams, and that's probably going to be a battle for the division win. Um, and I think if Seattle doesn't win that game and has to go on the road the first weekend, that's going to spell some trouble for them. But I like your pick. You know, Russ has always proven himself to be very, very skilled in the playoffs and come up big when it matters. Um, but I think this weekend plays a big importance for them in that division and hopefully getting at least one home game in that first round. Oh, yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see Matt LaFleur and the rest. And, you know, I think, I think it's a, I think what they're doing in Green Bay is rather new. I think when you're running LaFleur against more experienced head coaches like Sean Payton and Pete Carroll, I think it's going to be something pretty interesting to see in this playoffs. And um, yeah, I actually, you know, I, I like what you got to say about New Orleans. I think all these teams are solid teams. I don't know if any of them are beating Kansas City, but I think it creates a very, very interesting playoff atmosphere in the in the NFC more so than the uh, AFC, where it kind of feels like just a bit of a done deal. Yeah, I agree. But um, so I don't, I don't, I'm not going to go Seahawks here because I don't think the defense is good enough to stop a stop a runny nose. I, I just don't think they're going to be able to perform in the playoffs. I, I've always said defense shows up when it matters in the playoffs. Defense is extremely important once it comes down to crunch time in the playoffs, and I just don't think they have a good enough defense to do that. The Saints are probably my pick to come out of the NFC. My only issue with them is that they have an, a, a serial problem of choking in the big games. No matter how – I don't know how they do it, but something always happens. I was a hater on the Rams earlier in the season, but I could see them coming out of it. I like the way they play football. And Green Bay, for me, my issue with them is I don't know if they're physical enough in the playoffs. I don't know if they're going to be able to stop – like, say they run into the Buccaneers. I don't think they can beat the Buccaneers. However, I think if you put them up against – the the Seahawks, I think the, the Packers will win. If the Packers get favorable matchups throughout the playoffs, they'll go to the Super Bowl. But if they get matched up with a very physical team, they're they're gonna get they're gonna bow out early on, in my opinion. Honestly, I don't see any of the NFC wildcard teams really doing much. I mean, the Rams are nice in thought, but I just just the quarterback play isn't there. Goff has looked really really shady this whole season. He's only really had three, four games where he went over 300 yards. I think you're going to need a little bit more from him in the playoffs to even things out. I know they have a fantastic defense, but at the end of the day, you know, offense is going to win you football games. Um, scoring more points than the other team is going to win you football games. 
I just don't see how Goff and the rest of that offense, they don't really have a clear running back. I mean, Cam Akers is nice, but he's just coming off injury. He's not going to play this week. So I don't really know about the Rams. I think what you said about Green Bay is intriguing. Um, but this really, but this debate really comes down to which quarterback head coach combination do you trust? I got to go with Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson just based on the history over the course of the past decade. Sean Payton, Drew Brees, not a bad combo. Um, Matt LaFleur, Aaron Rodgers, intriguing. I think at the end of the day, that that's really what it's going to come down to. When I, I don't know, it's just hard for me to take anybody except the two guys who had almost won back to back, 2013-2014, going over to the uh, following year. You know, you mentioned the Rams not being able to score enough points, and that's exactly what we saw in the Super Bowl when they were against the Patriots. Their defense was great, pretty much held the Pats a lot of that game, but the offense just couldn't score. And, you know, they have some weapons. You still got Cooper Cup and Robert Woods out there. Um, but I don't think they're going to be able to score as many points as they need to. And I think it's interesting no one mentioned Tampa Bay because they've got weapons for days over there. You know, their rushing game has been a little suspect this year, but Brady's got all the weapons to choose from. And their defenses look pretty decent as well. Um, so I think it speaks a lot that maybe just none of us want to pick Brady. But No, it's because Bruce Arians isn't going to win a Super Bowl. Bruce Arians is not a good head coach. Bruce Arians doesn't play to Tom Brady's strength. The The Buccaneers went off today because they played the Detroit Lions. They play a team like the – like the, and they play, I think they bow out first round, to be honest with you. I don't think they're that good of a team. Well, you know what it is? I think the Buccaneers have had too many weird performances over the course of this past year where it's just like, is this really a contending team? Obviously, they posted a winning record, but they're just some games that I kind of look at that team holistically speaking, and it's just like – I just don't know. You know, I, I think it's hard to tell with them. I think they're a very intriguing option. But I think matchup-wise, I mean, I think they're facing a bit of a stacked deck here. I agree. Yeah. I just think, you know, they were supposedly the favorites coming into this season. Everyone thought, oh, Brady's going to win another Super Bowl. He's got all these weapons. And, you know, they whooped Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay earlier this year. But then last week, they nearly lost to Atlanta, who's like a four or five win team. So I agree there's been a lot of inconsistency, and I don't trust it. I just think it's interesting. Given how much hype there was for this team coming into the year, now that it's playoff time, they don't seem to be getting as much of the attention. Brady, Breeze, and, Ro- Brady, Breeze and, and Ben Roethlisberger are three quarterbacks who are on their way out. Just enjoy their final games because, I mean, those guys are legends. Enjoy them while they're, you have them. And then we got, that new, we got the new squad coming in. Pat Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson, I guess, a little bit. But, I mean, Trevor Lawrence, Tua, Tunga Viola, Joe Burrow. And the NFL's set for the future, man. I mean, Aaron Rodgers turns 38. I mean, he just turned 37. And so, so put Rodgers in there, too. But I think Rodgers has a few more years in, years in the tank. Maybe, maybe. But, I mean, this is not to wish anything bad. But I just think when you start to creep up in age a little bit, you just don't know how much more effective that you can be. So, yeah, I think you have a point. You have a lot of new guys coming in. It's going to be a different look for the NFL. Yep. Definitely. And now let's move on to the NBA. We just had opening weekend, and we had a great slate of Christmas games. So let's start off. Let's start off with the Lakers here. How do you guys feel about them this season going in and, and after their first two performances? I mean, I'm going to be biased here because I'm obviously a huge Lakers fan. I'm from LA, but, I mean, is there a team that's more – the only team I can think of that can maybe match them in terms of depth would be Brooklyn. I mean, I think the Lakers have looked really good. I think Palinka did an amazing job in this past offseason. I mean, Harrell, what a pickup. Schroeder, they're already talking about an extension with him. I think this is a team that looked a little bit out of place against the Clippers. I think 
you know, a lack of motivation may have played a part. I, I, I always hate to make the lack of motivation argument because these guys are all professionals, but they looked a little flat out there. Didn't look so flat against Dallas. I still think they're going to be the favorite to win the Western Conference. Um, the Clippers, obviously, an intriguing team. We don't know how long Kawhi Leonard is going to be out after that freak in, after the freak incident last night. But it's just hard to see any team in the Western Conference competing with them death-wise. I still don't think there's a one-two punch better than LeBron James and, uh, and uh, Anthony Davis. And um, that's what I got to say. I don't even think it's biased at this point to assume that they're the teams leading the league in both offensive and defensive ratings. So it's hard to see any team really knocking them off. And I think they, I, I think Vegas is right in setting them as the favorite for the 2021 NBA Finals. You know, it's early in the season, so it really doesn't matter. But I've been honestly underwhelmed by the Lakers. They came out in that first game really, really flat. They never had a lead in the entire game. Um, and, you know, they played better against the Mavs, but the Mavs didn't have Porzingis, who would be better to guard a big guy like AD. He would score a lot of points for them. Um, and I think one spot where this Lakers roster is kind of vulnerable is at the guard spot. They lost Rajon Rondo and Avery Bradley, who wasn't in the bubble, but still could play a big part in this team if he was still there. And, you know, Dennis Schroeder was a good pickup, but the, the grouping of Schroeder... Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Quinn Cook, and Alex Caruso isn't a really overwhelming group of guards. You know, when you're going up against a guy like Kyrie coming out of the East potentially, or even Kemba and Marcus Smart, you got Pat Bev and Lou Will on the Clippers you're going to have to compete with. Obviously, LeBron and AD can carry this team very, very far. But when you get down to crunch time in the playoffs, that group of guards, I don't know if they can defend and score at the level they need to to compete with some of those guys that I just mentioned. I would disagree a little bit. I think you can see noticeable improvements from Alex Caruso in this season. I think Dennis Schroeder is improving in his in his uh, shooting ability. Um, I think, yeah, you have a point that that's going to be their biggest weakness. But you know, I just I just don't see any team that has the guard presence that will overcome the uh, big man presence and the down low presence of Anthony Davis and most of the game LeBron James. So I think that's going to even out a little bit, but. I mean, we saw what happened over the past playoffs in terms of the guards who they went up against. They went up against Russ and Harden, beat him in five games, went up against Dame and CJ. I know Dame got hurt near the end of that series, beat him in five games, went up against Denver, took quick care of them, um, went up against Miami, not the biggest guard-heavy team, but, I mean, really cleared them out. I don't see that being a major issue for them, but I can understand how when it comes down to, you know, that – elusive finals of LeBron versus KD again and that Brooklyn versus LA combo where it might bite them in the butt a little bit. And I think you have a point that that's where it's going to count. And so I think we'll have yet to see whether or not that's going to turn into a real positive or a real negative for them. You know, Schroeder's impressed me so far. He's looking better than I thought, but I think compared to Rondo defensively running the floor in the playoffs, he's going to be lesser there. Um, and I think you're right. Like, you know, it's not going to bite them in the early rounds of the playoffs, but I think if they do end up facing the Clippers, who is another pretty well-rounded team, or the Nets, I think those are the two teams that it could really come back to get them on. Um, but that's a much longer down the road issue. And they've looked good so far. I was underwhelmed in that first game, but they came back better against the Mavs. Well, we all know LeBron starts off slow every year. He's a guy who just picks up pace as, as he goes to, goes to the season. So, I mean, yeah, I guess they started off slow, but I mean, I expected this. Clippers winning on ring night was interesting, but I mean, the Clippers are the Clippers. I mean, no offense to the Clippers. I love Kawhi, but I mean, Paul George is likely going to disappear again in the playoffs and they'll just underperform somewhere. 
I think the Lakers are clearly the best team in the West. I think, yeah, they have some guard issues, but I mean, you have to remember LeBron James is basically a point guard. I mean, he's point forward. He will bring up the ball. I don't really think that he's got better vision than half the guards in the league. So yeah, but I, I, I think what Dylan's saying is that LeBron's not going to guard the one. He's not going to guard the two. LeBron's going to guard three to five. So their problem is going to be how do you guard one and two? Now I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal in the Western Conference because. Given what happened last year, they didn't really have an issue with it. But I think, you know, in the finals where I think we're going to have the first season in a few years where we don't see the finals in the Western Conference finals and we actually see it play out on like the grand stage between East and West. You know, in the past few years, it always feels like, you know, Houston versus Golden State was in the Western Conference finals was our version of the finals because we knew what was happening in, in the second round. You know, last year we knew Miami was a good opponent, but they weren't really going to compete. So I think now this year it's pretty interesting because now I think you have the first real East versus West matchup that can kind of be a little bit up in the air. He, and Dylan's right. You know, you can't overreact early in the season, but I still think – I'm still of the opinion that Kevin Durant's the second-best player in the NBA. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Like, looking forward, I have a hard time not believing that Brooklyn's going to be the team that would face the Lakers and give them that kind of a problem. I mean, you look at their guards, nobody's touching them. you got Spencer – got Spencer Dinwiddie who can start on 28 other NBA teams. You have uh, Karis LeVert, who can start on just about 20 other NBA teams. Joe, the amazing, brilliant shooter, Joe Harris, who fits them perfectly. I think that's a team that's going to make a lot of noise, and that's the one team that can really dig into the, to the Lakers' weaknesses a little bit. Yeah, speaking of Brooklyn, let's talk about them real quick, how they, they look amazing this weekend. Obviously, Golden State's been underperforming. It looks like they're going to be in another year competing for a top pick. But... On the other hand, the Brooklyn Nets are just steamrolling teams. They steamrolled the, the uh, Boston Celtics on Christmas. And I think I do think this is going to be impactful, though, because I love Kyrie Irving. But if fans come back for the finals or something, or even in the playoffs, I think that could impact a little bit because it seems like he gets affected a little bit. Like when, when the in Celtics, when he gets booed a little bit, Seems like sometimes he doesn't play his best best basketball then. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, they've so far they've looked incredible. And you know, you can't put all your chips on the table this early in the season, but Kyrie has looked incredible. Um, he's been dominant scoring the ball, which I didn't expect. I expected him to be more of a distributor on this team, trying to get KD to score more, Dinwiddie, Harris, more shots. Um, but Kyrie's been putting shots up like crazy. I think he's averaging over 31 points a game. Um, so, you know, it's early in the year and you got to kind of take it with a grain of salt, especially since the Celtics didn't have Kemba Walker, who's their starting point guard. Um, but the Nets have looked really, really good. And it seems as though that they're the number one seed in the East and someone's going to have to put up a really good fight to take it from them. And like Cam said, Karis LeVert is a star. Like, I don't, I'm sorry. Like, that man is starting on at least 25 other teams in the league. That man is a great player. They also have Jared Allen, who should be starting over Deion over DeAndre Jordan, but I mean, you have both those guys, one off the bench, one starting. This is a deep, deep team, and I don't think, some people I don't think realize how deep they are. They think they're the Kyrie KD team. They, they're making the playoffs without them, in my opinion. It also helps that they have a head coach that nobody can run over. Um, I think when you have the personalities that they do, you know, I'm going to mention Kyrie here. It could be a little bit overwhelming, but it's hard to show a lack of respect for a guy who's arguably had a career that can compete with anybody, you know, in, in uh, Steve Nash, you know, back-to-back -back MVP. I mean, it's really hard to mess with him there. Um, I think they have the coaching going in, going in their favor. And frankly, I think the East is a bunch of pretenders. That, 
outside of them. You know, I think Gilbert Arenas had said it best last year when he went and said, you know, until Giannis learns how to play basketball, it's hard to see them really winning. Um, they've looked a little flat so far. Obviously, it's hard to tell. I just don't see them being the team. Miami's good. They just don't have the kind of offensive firepower to really compete with the Lakers or the Nets. I think it's going to come. I think it's a really two-team show, three-team if you include the Clippers. But I think it's a three-team show to go win the NBA Finals. I don't see a single team in the Eastern Conference that's beating the Nets. I don't think the Celtics have enough. I think the Celtics need a guy like James Harden. I think they, I think they need another superstar in there. Um, and I think one thing that can definitely shape that, that can definitely shake that um, perception I have of the Eastern Conference is what happens with James Harden. You got multiple Eastern Conference teams positioning themselves. Obviously, Miami just backed out, but you still have Philly positioning, um, putting themselves in there. I think Harden and Embiid is pretty hard to top. Um, you also had Brooklyn for a little bit. I don't know if they're I don't know if they're still going to be in there, but I think where Harden goes if he goes to the Eastern Conference is going to be is going to be very important to you know who's going to come out of that conference, who's going to be the one team that goes up against LeBron and the Lakers, or you know dare I say it, Kawhi and the LA Clippers. So I think that's going to be really important. I think that's the one thing that a lot of people are I think overlooking a little bit, as weird as it sounds, but I think that's the thing that, I think that's going to be most important because in my opinion it looks like a two team show. After these first two games, if I'm Brooklyn, I don't touch James Harden. I don't want him. They look incredible. Don't trade the depth you have. Joe, you talked about how great and deep this team is. Don't trade that depth, which is going to help you a lot in the playoffs. You can rely on these other guys off the bench. Get your starters rest. Don't You don't need James Harden. The way the Brooklyn Nets have looked so far, I don't think they need James Harden. Don't touch him. Don't get rid of your future and these great players like Dinwiddie and whoever else it might take to get him there. I don't think it's worth it. I think Boston and Philly need him. I think Boston and Philly need James Harden. I think Philly needs another scorer. I think Ben Simmons is nice, but when you have a chance to upgrade for a guy who's been top three in MVP voting for the past however many so years, I think you got to make that move. I think Boston is an, another team that can benefit from that. I was watching it in Brooklyn. Um, I think they I think they need another top scorer to complement Jason Tatum, but it's hard to see anybody compliment. It's hard to see Harden complimenting anybody just because of how good of a player he is, but yeah, I think if Harden moves to one of those two teams, I think it becomes a little bit more of a question as to who's going to come out of that conference. I think Harden, um, unlike what many other people think, I think he's a winning player. I think he's faced a stacked deck over the course of the past five years. I don't really think of him as this playoff choker as most other people do. I mean, I think we forget that he played the same Golden State teams that people were lauding LeBron for, you know, losing so valiantly. Um, and he, he took him to more games than LeBron did. He almost knocked him out if he had Chris Paul. I think last year the Lakers were just a matchup nightmare for them uh, over over in Houston. So I think I think Harden's a winning player. I think you put Harden in the Eastern Conference. I think he shakes things up, put him on any other team other than Brooklyn, and Brooklyn has some real competition ahead. I think you put Harden on the Sixers. They're scary because now they have now they have spacing. Right now it's just everyone's clogging the lane and beating Ben Simmons. All they could do is shoot inside. You get Harden out there, that spreads the floor a little bit. And then, yeah, you have something cooking there. I mean, honestly, you don't trade Ben Simmons away for James Harden, I don't, I don't think. I mean, ah, honestly, you might. You might. But I, I, you I, I think Harden, you would say, say, say somehow you keep, you keep Ben Simmons and you get James Harden. As unlikely as that is, let's be honest, say that happens, that's a scary, scary team there. And even if you don't, I think you make that trade because you need that spacing inside for Joel Embiid. If, if they could keep both, that would be incredible. If they could somehow keep Simmons and get Harden, then you got a real, real 
contender for Brooklyn in that East and even the Lakers or the Clippers, whoever. But I don't think you can do that trade without Ben Simmons in it. Well, I mean, to be honest with you, I think when you're talking about a superstar, I think the one thing that people are overlooking is that mo- 90% of these teams' players and personnel are going to be expendable. I mean, it's really that simple. I mean, Harden's the top five player in the league, in my opinion. I think any team getting him turns into a bit of a contender. Um, I don't mind if Philly sends off Simmons because you're going to get that scoring and you're going to get that value back. Maybe not so much on defense, but, you know, I think that you're going to find people to fill in the holes there. Um, I think Boston is the one team that needs him and has all the assets to go and get him. It's really up to Danny Ainge to actually make a move and not be, um, how do I say this, apprehensive uh, with some of his draft picks. I think he's going to be fired if they don't win in three years. So I think they're going to have to make a move there. Otherwise, you know, like you guys are saying, I mean, Brooklyn's an incredible team. It's going to be hard to top them in, in the Eastern Conference. I, I think say, Ma- Milwaukee Bucks, Chris, we need to put some respect on Chris Middleton because that guy has been playing out of his mind recently. Yeah, but it's really, I, I don't really think the Bucks are going to do anything of any particular importance. I don't think if Giannis really- gets a shot, if Giannis can somehow develop a shot this at some but, point, but, but that's not happening over the course of a season. And as we saw in the playoffs, not in a shortened season. I mean, it's only, you know, I don't think this year that happens in the shortened season. He's got to work on that shot because, I mean, maybe next year or something, if he can develop, like, at least a mid-range game, at least a mid-range game, it'd be Look. somewhat – like, it'd be, like, somewhat – not even, like, a great three-point shooter. If he could – if he could be at least a threat from three, that no, changes but, everything up. But you want to know the other problem – okay, you want – the other problem I have with the Bucks is that – They've kind of already won this year just by locking up Giannis. I think that's really going to help them going forward because this year they just don't have the guys. Holiday's nice in theory, but shooting up in age, they're shelling out a lot of money on his on his contract when they took him from New Orleans. Um, that's just I don't think they have the offensive firepower. You know, more so than any, I don't trust Giannis in the playoffs. I think he falls flat. I think that shooting bites him in the butt, and I think teams know how to key, how to key in on him in the playoffs. Um, Middleton really wasn't all that impressive in the past playoffs. Look, maybe I'm being a hate. I'm not. I'm not trying to be a hater here. I just don't think that the Bucks are well equipped to beat any uh, either the Nets or the Clippers or the Lakers. I don't think Giannis is the guy yet. Um, even though he's the back-to-back MVP, I just. I don't know. I don't think that team's going to be competitive. I, I mean, think competitive, but I just don't think that they're actually going to win the whole thing. I think Boston's in a better spot than you guys give them credit for, especially you, Cameron. I think. You know, without Kemba, their guard is their guard spot is very weak, kind of like we talked about with the Lakers. Um, but they beat Milwaukee, and they outplayed Brooklyn in that first half. They had headed to the locker room with a lead, and then they got worn down. You know, they don't have their starting point guard. Brooklyn, they didn't really shoot all that well. Boston shot forty percent from the field and just under thirty percent from three. Um, I don't think Harden would help them as much as you guys think they do. I think you would have to give up. Jalen Brown or Marcus Smart, who I think are really key pieces to this team. I think once they get that depth in Kemba Walker back, I think they're probably the number two team in the East. You know, it's going to be really hard to compete with Brooklyn, but I don't think they're at, in as a bad spot as you say they are. Well, I mean, I I'm, I actually like agree with you. The only thing is then, then you have to figure out who's going to be the guy for them in those clutch moments. Is it going to be Tatum? Is it going to be Kemba? Is it going to be somebody else? Most people would look at Tatum and say, is he going to be the guy? And who knows? He could end up being the guy, and he could end up being the guy that puts him forward. Um, I think that's their biggest question. I think 
Kemba would obviously need to increase his level of play from last season. He really only averaged 20 points a game. I know it was a bit of a it was a bit of a, it was a bit of a crowded field over there, but I think at the end of the day, you know, Boston has the pieces. I do like them over the Milwaukee Bucks um, and most of the teams in that conference, but it's going to be hard to take down Brooklyn. I think it's going to be hard to take down Kevin Durant and by effect Kyrie Irving. I agree. I just think people fail to realize how close they were to the finals last year. You know, in that first game against the Heat, Bam Adebayo comes up with possibly the block of the century on Jason Tatum in overtime to pretty much seal that game. And then Tyler Hero, as a rookie, puts up a historic performance to win another game. So, you know, they had these like freak moments in that series, which they seem pretty tired after the Raptors series, but I think they could easily get back to the conference finals. And then, you know, it's going to be hard to compete with Brooklyn. Brooklyn and the Lakers really seem like the favorites, but I think Boston, I don't think that trade makes sense for them either. Um, unless you can kind of keep that core nucleus of Tatum, Brown, and Smart together. Because I think that's the future. You know, Kemba's good too, but I think those three guys are more of the future for this team. Well, you given, know, given what hard Tatum doing over the past few weeks, I, I think the value on him in the trade market is starting to diminish a little bit. If, if Ainge can, can like get away with sending Kemba, maybe a pick or Romeo Langford or whoever else who they have stacked on their bench, I think I think that's a win for Danny Ainge and the Boston Celtics. Yeah, you don't yeah. trade Harden for you don't trade Tatum for Harden. I'm sorry, you don't. And that's, that was never going to be that was never going to be a thing. But I've heard Jalen Brown a lot, which yeah, I Jalen Brown know. is the one deal breaker I think that they have. I think they like him and Tatum stacked up as this you know nice two three combo. I think even Marcus Smart might deal, be a deal breaker. He's a big fan favorite in Boston. He's a defensive guard. He plays really well. And last season, I think he surprised a lot of people. He scored more points and showed better shooting than he has in the past. So I think as his game keeps improving, they might want to keep him as well. So like you said, as Harden's value diminishes, because he clearly pretty much wants out, um, as his value diminishes, maybe you can get rid of some lesser assets to acquire him. But if it's one of those three guys, I don't, I don't think they're touchable. Yeah, so let's move on now to our final topic. We're going to talk a little bit about the NHL. It's returning on, I believe, January 14th. And, um, I mean, let's talk about some local teams here. Let's talk about the New Jersey Devils, who stink. Uh, do you have anything that you guys have to say about that? Like, do you guys think they could compete for a playoff spot this year? Or no? Because I know I don't. But I think this is a big developmental year for them. Basically, basically a lottery team. I mean, I don't know how much more you can really improve. And they're in a bit of a stack deck in terms of their conference. And, and by virtue, they're – they're very difficult division. So I don't know. I'm not really high on them at all. You know, with the new, the shakeup of the divisions, I think all of the local teams, the Devils, the Rangers, the Islanders, the Flyers, I think they all got a really tough deck. You know, this division, which was formerly the Metro, basically added Boston and Buffalo. Boston was the president's trophy winners last year. Always a really tough team, a physical team like crazy. And then you add Buffalo, too, who now is led by Taylor Hall, who's like two seasons removed from an MVP trophy, and Jack Eichel. So I think that division got even tougher. It was one of the best divisions in the NHL last year, and I think it's going to be even more competitive. The Rangers and Devils are young, and they're going to struggle against what is now even more competitive competition. Um, the Islanders, I think, will still succeed, but this division is going to be a really tough one for any team, especially the younger ones like our local teams. Yeah, so here's the thing, though. Buffalo, they're not on. They're, they're a false image, right? Because Taylor Hall is not on that type of time anymore. Taylor Hall is still a good player, but he's not putting up MVP numbers anymore, man. I remember that season. He's not going at a 26-game point streak. He's just not that type of player. That was he, he caught lightning in a bottle last season. He's he's not like that anymore. 
Uh, Devils-wise, I mean, they just signed Mackenzie Black to an extension, which I think is big for their future. But again, this is just another year for developmental. Jack Hughes has to improve. Nico Hischier signed here for a while, but he's also got to, you know, still improve a little bit, but he's a good player. But yeah, they're not a serious team either. The Rangers aren't a serious team, but they did get a, a great draft pick this past season. I'm blanking on the name right now, but they have a great future too. So I think five, three to five years, we're going to see a lot of local, the local teams and the local rivalries are going to be great again. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I totally. I just don't think it's happened. I, I don't think there's really any movement to be to be to be made this year. Um, you know, three of three of the top five Vegas favorites in terms of winning the Stanley Cup are in the Eastern Conference. So it's just hard to see them usurping any of those teams, whether it's whether it's Boston, Philly, or Tampa Bay. And moving on the West, who do you guys think might might come out of there? Do you think the St. Louis Blues could maybe somehow have like a uh, a rebirth and come back, or do you think their their time's passed and they got their title and? over for them. I think Colorado plus 800 speaks volumes. Yeah, you know, Colorado is probably one of the favorites out there. I think the new divisions kind of help the Canadian teams that like Canadian North division. I think it kind of benefits Edmonton and to a lesser extent Vancouver and Toronto. Um, but I think maybe this is the one year Edmonton they're going to be of the one seed in their division probably and maybe have an easier road throughout the playoffs. So maybe this is the final, finally the year that they get over the hump and make a deep run. But I think Colorado is probably the favorites out there. But I think Colorado and Edmonton are going to be one too. Yeah, I think Colorado is probably the team. And, I mean, maybe St. Louis can do something somehow, do something. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't think there's title contenders, to be Vegas, honest. Vegas, but, you know, Vegas is always also going to be a nice pick. I mean, over the past few years, they've been one of the better teams in the NHL ever since they really started – just in terms of the comeback, that year was crazy. Not gonna, like they were like the last team in the NHL, and then they come out and win the chip. That was crazy. But yeah, I think Colorado has just been a team that's been—you could see it in the past few years them them slowly creeping up to being this team. I think this year, short season might even help them as well. And if I'm not mistaken, I think they lost in Game Seven to Dallas last year, who ended up being the Western Conference representative. So you know they were that close to getting over the hump and getting to that Stanley Cup final. So I think. Colorado is definitely the team to look out for. Now, do you think Tampa can go back to back? No, not in the East. The East is really tough. You know, we saw St. Louis last year after their Stanley Cup. They showed a pretty poor performance in the playoffs. Um, and I don't expect – I expect Tampa Bay to go pretty far. But, you know, the Islanders are up and coming. Boston's still really good. Philly's up and coming. I, I don't think they're going to make it to the Stanley Cup final. I think the Pens might have one last run in them as well. Do you think with Sydney? Or do you think they're finished? I think they're finished. I'm not going to lie. You can always leave the door open. There's a little bit of variability to be had in that conference, as Dylan had just mentioned. I thought I thought the same thing last year about the Penguins. I thought their last run was going to be in the bubble, um, you know, but they put in a really, really poor performance. So at this point, I've lost my confidence in them because I thought their last run was last season and they embarrassed themselves in the bubble. Yeah, they look like, and it seemed like they were selling all stocks too, just kind of looking for the future. So it'll be interesting. I, I like I said earlier in the show with um, Brady, Breeze, and Roethlisberger, just enjoy Sid while he's here. His career's coming to an end. Just, I mean, the Pens might suck this year, but if he's on TV, man. Just tune in because that guy is up there as an all-time great. Very good point. Absolutely. And that'll wrap it up here on X's Nose. I'm Joe Camerota here with Cameron Crosby and Dylan Camp. Thank you guys for tuning in, and we'll see you guys soon. Thank you so much. Always a pleasure. Awesome.
Good stuff, guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank no, you. Good show. Good show, fellas. No notes out here.